here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. STR 287, Brie Bella joins Team Kick. Joe does his best Max Katie impression. Otis, my man, he loves us. And this week, the mid-card on all the shows get a little bit more credibility. I'm Jeff Hawkins, joining me forever, however long he can stand me, Chris Novembrino. And Chris, you know what it's time for? It's time for a seven-second dance break. I love R-Truth and Carmella as a team. I don't, I know. They're really fun, aren't they? Their promos, especially, leading up to Big Smash Council. We'll see you in Hell in the Cell. I'm like, all right, you know what? I like unrepentant, stupid comedy. This is it. I loved it. Yeah, I enjoy them a lot. I thought Otis was really awesome this week, too, in the main event in NXT. He certainly impressed. Oh, God, yeah. I, you know, it's, if they ever decide to break up that team... And Otis Dozovich goes solo. If he can drop the worm stuff, the problem is they're going to love the worm or the caterpillar up on up on the main roster. Uh, but I like that they give tag team. This has been a weird week for tag teams and tag team psychology for me. And it's gonna, we're going to go all through because all the shows kind of did this a little bit more more so Raw and NXT. But on on Raw, you have my look. We got I got to evangelize a bit about the revival. I loved that revival versus Dolph and and Drew McIntyre match. Okay, Absolutely. so you're feeling babyface revival. I was interested to get what Jeff Hawkins' take on babyface revival is. I don't need them to be babyfaces. I just need them to be heels. I like the occasional heel-heel match where they're both trying to win and there's titles on the line and they're both kind of using heel tactics on each other. I, I I know WWE hates that because they want, you know, they usually want you to cheer for one and, and hate the other. But this was such a great, it, like, just, it, it's encapsulated in one moment for me. I, I, I forget the movie does, but uh, Dawson hits, hits Dolph, stands up, runs over, drop kicks Drew right in the knee. That was so... 1980 style tag team wrestling where you're trying to cut off one guy and work on him until they can get the hot tag. No, I, it, look, I, I'm not saying this is a rebirth of the revival. I'm not going overboard because it's always what you do on the second week rather than the first week on what you do. But man, this match hit all my sweet spots. They made, they let the revival look strong in losing. They hit double, they hit the powerplex, which is one of my favorite old school WWF moves when power and glory would do that. They did kind of a doomsday device move off the top. I love that the revival are now were at least for this match built up as 
tag team specialist, and were doing great tag team moves and almost pulled out the win. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. No, this is a really, really enjoyable match. Dolph Ziggler, whenever he's a participant in matches, is always carrying his weight so long as he's not necessarily the featured piece. The Revival are awesome. And Drew McIntyre continues to impress kind of on all fronts. I think he's really good on the mic, too. Yeah, I'm... Uh... What did you think of the uh, the through line on Raw about the who's going to turn or, you know, traitors amongst all teams type of thing? Uh, I'm kind of wishy-washy on it just because Seth Rollins, for someone who's supposed to be the architect, his plans, you can see them coming a mile away. Yeah, I'm here for me. I think they did about four weeks of story. In in one episode. That's also true. That, that for me, that for me was a problem. Like if you just did, like I really loved the visual of Roman and Seth holding up the titles and Dean kind of being in between them. And I went, oh, that's such a cool move. If they're gonna turn Dean heel, but move away from it. Just drop it as an Easter egg and forget about it for a while. Just go on your Why merry way. Why would you just end the episode right there? is my question. Why did he have to get back into the ring, and why did we have to get that resolution this week? No, this was at the beginning of the show, the first promo. Oh, okay, at the when first they said promo. It's, when, they said, when they said it's all about these, and they hold up the two title belts, and Dean's just, Dean has no belt. And it's like, there you go. There's, there's the moment where Dean decided to do this. But then they, I think they just, they over, see, when they do these types of turns, they're either so obvious that they eventually don't do them until they do them, and they just decide to go with it anyways. It's like, you know, um, the 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 uh, Rusev day was a little bit like that one. Or they so, so telegraph it, you know, with guys growing facial hair and having problems with one another and all these other things. But I, I liked... I like the thought of a long, drawn-out storyline where both teams kind of have simmering issues with each other. I wish that that had been the plan for this super show next week. And you could have done that for about four weeks where, you know, one week it's like, hey, why? you know, Drew goes to Dolph and goes, why are we teaming up with Braun again? Why are we dealing with this guy? You know, or Braun and Drew are talking, why did? Why are you hanging around with Dolph all this time? You know, you get these kind of shifting stories because right now it was it's so obvious that Dean's not going to turn unless they decide to just go through with it anyways, which I think would be ridiculous, that I, I'm, I think the guy to turn out of all these guys right now is Braun, and he doesn't turn, he just drops guys, and he becomes, you know, the, I'm a monster, I don't need any help, you know, kind of thing. I, I just, it's one of those things where it's it's a little too cute by half to have, you know, then Seth goes to the heel team and go, hey, you know what, you can't really trust this guy. Right, and you're trying to get into Drew McIntyre's head, and that all could be interesting. Actually, the idea of bringing in Drew as the fourth member of the Shield in some weird way was more intriguing to me than what they're trying to do now. Oh, yeah, I liked that a lot. I just It, it was one of those things where it's like, if you in a three-hour period, that kind of story where you're doing the back and forth, who can trust one another type of thing, it's too compact because you haven't given... You haven't given the uncertainty time to fester. It, it's like bacteria, you know. You you drop it in there, and then it starts to grow a little bit. You, you got to and you also sow, sow those seeds. seeds through several yeah. matches. So yeah, they have and- matches where ambiguous things happen, and Dean starts acting in ambiguous ways. 
yeah, strictly ambiguous, not the way they do it, like like Aiden English, where right. just, he keeps right. screwing up, and then all of a sudden he's the guy that turns. And you're like, well, okay, that's weird, but no, I I liked I liked the idea. I I don't think. See, and, and knowing WWE, they're probably going to do something like, all right, they're sowing these seeds of Dean turning, and then all of a sudden Seth turns again and kills all his goodwill with burn it down. And, oh, I know I was a heel all along. Yeah, and you'd just be like, ugh, no. I do like the thought of Drew as a fourth babyface in the shield, but I just think that's way too way too powerful a group to take seriously as as top baby faces you can't you'd have absolutely no heels to go against them well, this is where the authors being aligned with Braun Strowman could actually be sort of useful there's another there's another one another another mid-card tag team kind of floundering that finally got a little bit of juice to them i i enjoy i enjoy big men doing bad things so despite being with Corbin who I, I'm not as hard on the Corbin character as most. I just don't find him to be a very good actor. But I really liked I liked the interplay of the Authors of Pain with the Shield here. Yeah, and so the idea of aligning Drew with the Shield would be something like Dean and Drew have constant tension because it's Seth's idea and Roman does things i don't really have a vision for what roman would do in this project roman punches and roman does the drive-by and roman does a spear that's what roman does in all his matches Ooh, uh. <laughs> that's a, I, i'm not I'm, I'm but i'm definitely not on board now uh between drake maverick and leo rush switching roles oh man i hate heel drake maverick so much he adds He's... nothing and it takes away from babyface drake maverick on 205 live yeah i'm 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 over that a bit i i i'm not sure that's a good idea one other uh one other thing on the tag team division in raw uh chad gable loses to uh victor of the no not victor connor connor of the accession um, I get the thinking on this. I'm not as hard on it as most because I think, I think Chad Gable is an outstanding talent. The problem is they haven't built up that thing where tag team wrestlers aren't as good doing singles matches as they are being a part of a unit. They really haven't. And, and to beat Chad like this, I thought they tried to get that over a little bit on commentary that he's a did. great tag team specialist, blah blah blah. But I get this loss in the context of telling this story, but we're also talking about Conor and Victor, the Ascension, who don't win ever. So whenever anybody loses to either one of those guys, it feels like a big deal because they're very, very, very low in the pecking order. But I mean, even if, even if they put it over on commentary, you need to establish that this is a rule of the universe, so to speak. You need right. to have also that true. as as a as a consistent type of look i'm willing to suspend my imagination for a lot of things you just have to let me know that in this universe that i'm watching that tag team wrestlers two guys working together as a tandem are are and and who are specialists are far stronger than if they don't have a partner you know they they did this a little bit in the territories in the 80s quite a bit when especially when you had a guy on the rise, and, and you'd have these matches like against Bobby Eaton as a singles wrestler. You know, D Dusty fought against both Stan Lane and, and Bobby Eaton, as I remember, to to, to help uh, get Dusty over, of course. But 
but but they would never beat Dusty because it'd always be like, well, we need to be a team in order to win. And then when they were the Midnight Express, they'd usually win again. So you just need to show and not tell a little bit more here. You need to establish. I, I saw a lot of, well, why does you know why does Connor need the win? He doesn't need the win because the the Ascension can't be heated up again. I I, I like. Look, I, I've said before, I think Victor is underappreciated for both his talking and his wrestling. I just, it, it's it's a weird story that they're telling, especially when they had seemingly heated up Gable with the Rude character. And Rude's the guy who can take the losses. Is that a seven-second dance break in the background? No, no, that was the theme song from <laughs> Lucha, the Hidden Temple, breaking in there. If you want, I can put it back on. We can do a little seven-second dance. Okay, it, hold it, on. It. We're going to do another seven-second dance break. All right, go. There are certain things that get better with age. Scotch, bourbon, brown liqueurs, liquors, wine, NWA Pro Wrestling for me. But unfortunately, this is not the case when it comes to your skin and especially your face. There's something you can do in the fight against aging, and it's 4hims.com. It's a one-stop shop for skin care, hair loss, sexual wellness, all the things that men are really concerned about, but they're a little bit embarrassed to go talk to a doctor about. And you don't need to go talk to a doctor. Hims connects you with doctors online who will evaluate your skin needs and can prescribe you a custom anti-aging treatment. All you need to do is take a couple pictures and answer a few questions to prevent all those laugh lines, those crags that you get in your face, you know, the, the crow's feet by the corner of your eyes there, guys. If you're, if you're feeling a little vainglorious, you keep it all confidential because there aren't any more awkward in-person doctor's office visits and the products are shipped directly to your door. I've used for hims. Their customer service is outstanding and they're very, very fast. I, I Really, it's it's almost like having a bill collector at times because they're just like, okay, we need, we need your answers on this question. So you get email after email and they're very, very good. I, I really like forhims.com. It's your skin. Do you want to be a face in the crowd or the face in the crowd? Order now. And save 20 bucks off your first month of the Hims Anti-Aging Kit. I have a giant bald head, so I have lots of moisturizer on there to keep my skin all, all nice and young, youthful for the ladies out there. You lock in those good looks now, and you get your first month of anti-aging for $20 off. Just go to 4 strskin That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash S-T-R-Skin. 4 slash S-T-R-Skin. Thank you. We appreciate for hims for their patronage. Please go tell them you love us. So where were we? Gable and Rude. So I'm a little confused now what the story is with Gable and Rude, too, because I thought it was that Gable is a bit of an over-enthusiastic hot dog, and he's going to be a glory hound. He is going to be the one who wants too much glory, but I don't know what we're doing with this particular chapter. I, I'm under the impression it's to give doubt to rude. Oh, okay. Okay. And that eventually what happens is they get into a tag team situation and they think that, uh, 
you know, that's that that somebody makes a mistake, either Rude or Gable, and then Rude eventually blames Gable for it, that he thinks he's the weak link or something to that effect. That's what I'm starting to get the impression of. Okay, so this is eventually going to be Rude turning heel on Gable. Yeah, that's my thought. Huh. Okay. Because because that way Gable can beat Rude. Right, right. And become stronger, but but that's <laughs> But then why do you why do you have him lose to Connor like that, just clean as a sheet? That's that's a weird. Well, thing. up it, to now, guy. Bobby Roode has a point because yeah. Gable's the guy who's stealing tags and stealing pins and stealing finishes and also losing. He's the one who's overestimating his abilities. Yeah. Um. And one last thing for Raw, it was kind of the big controversy du jour going into Tuesday. Uh. Brie Bella knocks out Liv Morgan during their six-woman match. Yeah, she did. Uh, I don't think this six-woman tag is going to go on as scheduled uh, because I don't think you, – you can't fly with a concussion. If you're still yeah, in concussion right, protocol, right. they will not allow you to fly. So, I, I mean, I am not – look, I'm not on the accidents happen side, but I'm also not on the we should completely – you know, eviscerate Brie Bella in some ways. I think it was very sloppy. I, I've i already said enough that I don't think very much of the Bellas in ring. I don't. I don't think they should be in this position. I, I think... Yeah, especially now. They were better a few years ago and even then was sort of on a line, and now they're, I would say, below the line. But I understand the position WWE's in because they at least, and, you know, some things bared out in the, in the pop culture zeitgeist, that people know who the Bellas are because of that reality show. And it's it's shocking to me how many times I've heard references to Total Bellas from people who don't watch wrestling. And it's it's one of those things where it's like they're hoping for that crossover appeal, so I understand that as well. I just it's it's my my fear is that they're gonna eventually like football take all the toughness out of wrestling and you know, if someone gets hurt here and there that that oh we're just gonna ban that move too I I don't want to see that happen, um, but it it is a little disappointing that that well you're more likely to have that problem if they're not willing to blame the bad actor in this case if you're saying the quote unquote the situation is dangerous instead of saying no the performer is being dangerous and being sloppy in their execution then you're moving faster to a paradigm where we're worried about spots that a more skilled practitioner wouldn't be creating dangerous situations out of well the, well the performer wasn't paying attention to what she was doing with the move right. because she was busy talking smack to the other team so that's I mean, you know, you just gotta say, "Hey, look, you got when you have somebody's <laughs> physical being in your hand." I we get the performance aspects; just pay attention. But really, I think there's been a lot of overwrought talk about this whole thing. You know, as, as I, I understand the anger on behalf of on you know backstage, because look, those are your friends; those are your your coworkers. You protect them, and this part timer comes in and starts hurting them because she's being reckless. I totally get that anger. But I, as a commentator, have no right to get angry because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to throwing a kick like that. 
Well, I think it's the nature of the sloppiness. The fact that it's coming from throwing a kick. It's not like you're going for a suplex and you lost your footing and there was a bad bump and you're a part-timer, so you could be working on that. You could be better on your delivery. This is a kick. Brie Bella had a lot of ability to control this situation that she elected to eschew for other parts of her performance. I I think it's bad form. It's not something I've lost a ton of sleep over. I'm sure Liv Morgan will be fine, but this is a bad look for B. Bella. Yeah, I I would agree. I'm I'm thinking they may punish her by taking her off the card in Sydney and just having it be a straight tag match with Nikki and uh, Ronda, but... uh, We'll see. What did you think of week two Leo Rush as uh, as a cartoon character? Uh, I'm (laughs) worried about all of this long term. I I think that it's good that they're protecting the Leo Rush bump, but the more they tease the Leo Rush bump, the more my mind sort of goes, yeah, what comes after we have Leo Rush take a big old obliteration bump? And I have nothing productive in my mind coming out of this. Well, it's so weird because on his match on 205 Live, that was a tamped down Leo Rush. That was really, I mean, I, it, I thought... It sort of turned him babyface on 205 Live, too, right? Yeah. Like, Noam Dar was a heel towards the end of that match, and we've discussed him not working as a babyface, so if this naturally just sort of turned them both whatever but leo rush in my mind his delivery is terribly disingenuous and he's a patently unlikable guy like i want to see him get his yeah i think that that's the problem when when you're teaming him with with lashley I, but i did enjoy that gnome dar leo rush match overall i, I yeah oh yeah sure I just, it was just one of those things it did a lot for gnome dar i think and that just kind of goes into the theme of the week here where you're you're you know, all these damaged characters you're starting to at least give a little bit more credibility to. I'm, 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 you know, I, I liked the Brian Kendrick squash. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. You know, just go in, go out. There it is. Hook. He's a, you know, he's a technical genius. Why not? Yeah, we need to just establish that he's back. I liked the beat down of the squash guy after the match, too. I thought that that was yes. good. Reestablishes Drew Gulak a little bit. I liked, speaking of squashes, Lars Sullivan's interrupted squash. I thought that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, wow. I watched EC3 during that fight, and I, and it looks, boy, he has a lot of the same mannerisms as The Rock when he when he throws his punches and his kicks. It's, it's so over the top at times. I'm so uncertain about EC3. He's really trying, and he's certainly putting in the time on the tanning bed. Oh, God. That is such an unnatural color. It's really, really unnatural. <laughs> and we're, okay, let's, let's, do, let's do a little bit more from, uh, from NXT then. I, th- my favorite moment of NXT this week, and it's such a little moment, but I, I marked hard for it, was the Street Profits just walking down, yes. looking like... Things were going to happen. Oh, my so God, good. I love that. The no-nonsense Street Profits are a team I can actually buy into. The zany, fun, we're just trying to have fun thing. Eh, it doesn't do anything for me. But ironically, when the baby faces are theirs to quote-unquote get theirs, oh, I'm totally in on this. No, all-intensity Street Profits, I liked it a lot. 
Well, I think it it, it it does well for them if they ever decide to go heel. That's also true. I don't think it's that time yet, but I like just for the little story here, hey, you took our stuff, and this is a grudge match. Screw the entrance stuff that they always tell you to do. We're walking down, and it's time for a fight. And I liked this match. I, I'm just one of the people, I thought when they signed him, I thought TM61, or as I knew him then, the mighty don't kneel. I, th- I thought... I thought that they were going to be a great white meat baby face tag team addition to the main roster. You know, the girls would love them and scream and, you know, that kind of throwback style team where you market them as sex symbols. They just haven't done much for me of late. After the Harley race video and them not capitalizing on that, I didn't understand why you, especially why you beat Montez Ford here clean. Um, Cause he got hurt but the but the injury didn't come as a result of foul play, if I recall. Right? No, am I right on that one? Or am I wrong? No, it didn't come from foul play. I think they they win clean in that match, don't they? Yeah. So I I would have much rather you know they do something to the shin on the outside or something that then causes the injury to get worse. And then if you're gonna do it that way, I just I thought that the I thought that this was gonna be the time. I mean, they might do it still. We're, maybe we're being too judgmental and too quick on this. But I, I just, it was just such a weird thing that they had been building up the Street Profits back up, back up, back up. Here they're coming back for revenge and they lose, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. But I thought they were going to lose by getting screwed somehow as opposed to clean. Yeah, you know, you know what? I need to regroup. I need to reset. Seven second dance break time. <laughs> Are you back? Are we back? I'm better. I'm back, baby, and I'm better than ever. Um, I, uh, <laughs> all the there were a lot of good little things on NXT this week that I really, really liked. I liked, I, I liked the interplay between Lacey and and uh, Candice. I like the backstage universe that NXT has slowly yeah. established. There's a dynamic the backlot universe. Yes, yeah. There's a dynamic to the way things play out backstage that helps move narrative and plot along in a way that's not over the top, that's interesting, that keeps your attention. It's not forced and doesn't rely on people standing adjacent to a television screen and looking at a match that's going on in the ring. Well, it's like being backstage at a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> and all the interplay, oh, this character doesn't like that character, but once they go out on stage, oh, hi! You know, I, I like that. I lo- For some reason, the, the interplay between... Uh, Nikki Cross and William Regal. I'm surprised you didn't get to that earlier. I was I was waiting for you to get to that. I thought that was a lot of fun. I I, I kind of wanted Nikki Cross to just leave and go. I pooped on your desk or something. <laughs> it was such a it was such a oh I'm crazy. And just just William Regal going. I gotta deal with this crazy woman. What is wrong with you? What did you do in there? What did you do in my office? You nutjob. <laughs> I think it just speaks to the superior management skills of William Regal that he's able to deal with people in all different mental states. Yeah, a, a little. <laughs> he's, 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 he's the head of the asylum. You just, I'm, I'm, uh, I, got a, I got a whole roster full of morons. What am I doing? <laughs> Although the interplay with Regal and Adam Cole was really good, I thought, too. Eventually, there's going to be more between Regal and Adam Cole. I feel like Regal's going to have it in for Adam Cole at some point. Oh, I hope so. I, I really, I mean... 
not not in the you know heel commission. No, way, no, no, I, no. I don't no. Want him throwing his weight around. But like at some point, he's going to just get fed up with the shitbird annex of the undisputed era writ large. But I'm sure he'll really have his ire focused on Adam Cole. I'm wondering how long it's going to be until uh, Bobby Fish is able to actually come out, walk, and do some of these promos. He doesn't have to be an in-ring competitor, but at least come out with them. Because, I I mean, I had the same kind of surgery he did, and I'm sure he's nursing it back to health as as fast as he can. But he doesn't have to be running. But since he's in the backstage promos, I wonder how long until he actually comes out on camera with the guys. I don't know. And I am am still vexed by Vanessa Bourne. I, I, in what way? I think her character's a stripper. I, that's all I can think of when I watch her. And I, I Her character is boring. I, I think that she's interesting but her character isn't. Well, the yeah, the, yeah, the character is I'm the I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty woman on on the roster and that's there needs to be a little bit more to that. And I'm just I'm like she's I mean when Aaliyah has passed you and being more interesting you better you better do something lest your job be on the line because this women's roster is getting a lot stronger uh which gets me to a short short respite on uh the May Young Classic which I watched um I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of these matches No no tell me about them This first round this is the end of the first round um and for me there weren't any standout matches amongst the first round which is a little disappointing because you had the really nice last year. I thought Kyrie Sane and Tessa Blanchard, despite my being as objective as I can, despite the fact that I'm a fan of the Blanchard family, uh, was a was a really great match. Uh, this show has the had the closest thing. I think it was in uh, Rachel Evers. Uh, you may know her as Rachel Ellering and uh, Hiroyu Matsumoto. I, I I thought the match was really really good. Um, it was a little choreographed for my taste but i thought they had a lot of hard-hitting stuff in there that was good enough um they've they've been doing the, it's weird because the theme of this year's may young classic and we talked about it last week was that the competitors who were here last year have evolved in some way and that's kind of the story of uh of the second match on the show tenara conti and jesse Alaban. i like tenara conti a lot she she's she's like an angrier, more vicious, and smaller uh, Alexa Bliss in my in my opinion. I I really when they put her with the undisputed era at first, I was kind of hoping it would stick, but then it just turned out they were kind of using her for their own ends. But I think I really like to now see her in the undisputed era again, and she's against Jesse Alaban, who uh, Jesse Alaban. I follow her on social media. I just don't have a lot of hope for her on the main roster necessarily because she to describe her character to me it's you take all the fangirl aspects of the old bailey character before they turn her into a championship character combined with kind of the move set for billy k because she has very long she's very athletic her problem was like her style was like i just throw my body at people i was like okay it's a very weird geek character that I, I think kind of gets over in in Florida. I just don't know if this kind of nerd character would get over on the main roster because Vince doesn't like nerds. He likes alpha types. It, it's it's But I like her a lot. That's that's the weird thing. It's like with all these negatives in the back of my head, I really like Jesse Alaban. I, I just, but I like this 
this combination. I like the more vicious Tainara Conte. I wish they'd make the crying a little bit more uh, like Leo Rush's uh, disingenuous. That's the word I'm looking for. I wish they'd make her crying a little more disingenuous because it actually looked like she was very happy to win <laughs> as opposed to I'm crying and I'm putting this on after being a heel this whole time. But I like that. Uh, one of my personal favorites on on the women's uh, circuit got got um, time. I love Nicole Matthews. If I were a professional wrestler, I'd be Nicole Matthews, just a sarcastic uh, heel who nobody likes. It's it's great. She's great. Uh, it, it it's a little astounding to me that two of the most uh, two of the most veteran performers in the Indies on this in this tournament, both Mia Yim and Nicole Matthews, both were having wardrobe problems in terms of pants that they couldn't keep up it it, it became very distracting uh isla dawn slash isla dawn however you say it um she's with nxt uk she's pretty good she does kind of an occult gimmick slash scarlet witch type thing um she's just very young i think i think she'll eventually grow into this um but it was a decent match and then you had uh the premiere of io shirai in NXT, or in, not in NXT, but in the May Young Classic, versus uh, Zaya Brookside, who is a uh, coach in NXT, Robbie Brookside's daughter. Uh, she's 19. Uh, Robbie had apparently never seen her wrestle, so it was a nice little emotional moment. I thought Io Shirai had a great, great debut, getting her over as just just a veteran to be beat. I, I think she's going to be a strong addition to this NXT's roster. Uh, the quicker I can get her in there with... You know, the Kyrie Sains and the uh, Shayna Baszlers of the world, the better. Um, really looking forward to this second round. There's some really doozies on here. I think the uh, Matsumoto Tony Storm match is going to is gonna finally get this get this tournament into high gear because it's been a little bit, not low energy, but in terms of matches where you go, wow, this is really outstanding, or wow, you really got to watch this. There weren't a lot of these in the first round. Uh, there weren't a lot last year either, though. You're just trying to establish about eight people or so. So, I mean, I don't. Did you watch the uh, May Young Classic last year? I did watch some of the May Young Classic last year, and and that was sort of my recall. That's a similar thing with the Cruiserweight Classic. the The first yeah. matches, you you occasionally get a good match in that first round, but really, it's just about establishing who we really should be paying attention to and sort of doing the courtesy of letting other people participate in WWE television. Yeah, and and anything that makes the women's division stronger, I'm I'm for. So I, I think I think the commentary's slightly better this year because I think Michael Cole's doing look, Michael Cole is looking at his notes way too much, but I think when he's watching a match and he's actually enjoying it, you can tell. Uh Renee and and Beth, uh, you know, I I they haven't ha- they haven't found a good color commentator yet. I don't think I I, I didn't really like uh, Lita last year. No, no, I and I've never been sold on Beth either. I think Renee in the main booth is getting better, and her and Corey are starting to hit their stride. I think that they're actually finding a way to play off of Cole, where they can sort of raz Cole as being unhip. Right, but I mean, just for for this, she's she's kind of reduced to being a cheerleader right, in terms right. of because she did she did the backstage interview so it, oh i met her she was great and it's like yeah but you're not really getting over you know their history and that's what's really missing here is that it, it seems like nobody 
you know, they, they took certain points from each woman and gave them to Cole as a crib sheet. But there's nobody who can really speak to who's really watched a lot of tape on these women that can really kind of give give Cole some help on him calling these matches. And that's that to me is the detriment here. And the same thing happened with Ross and Lita because neither of them knew who any of these people were except those who were related to people that they had called. So it, it's kind of a... It's a clunky process, but I'm gonna trust the process. I think the, the second and third rounds are gonna are where business is gonna pick up, and we're gonna get some better matches. And going into Evolution, man, uh, I, I'm I'm still looking forward to Evolution. I'm I'm one of those people who holds out hope that it's gonna be a strong pay per view. Yeah, I think it will be. I, I think that the show, even despite all of the controversies around the show's inception. I think the show itself, when you just take it as a standalone product, I think it'll actually end up being pretty good. <laughs> this week's sponsor of Shake Them Ropes is Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, and all of it is commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. And the way they go about doing that is it's a fairly simple-to-use app, Four easy colors. I actually saw one time, Jeff, someone complained that there were too many colors on Robin Hood. There's exactly four. There's black, white, red, green. It's very easy to use. And what's nice is there is no commissions on any of these sales, as I just mentioned. And so that means that you can buy small amounts of stocks and you can start small and work your way up. So you could start with $50. You could start with $100 and you could buy one share of something. And Robinhood is set up such that you could actually enjoy growth and not have to worry about commissions that you have to worry about with some of the bigger firms. It's weird because you've been using this since like March, right? You've been doing on that because I remember when I said we got them as a sponsor, you're like, oh, cool. I already use them, man. It's like, oh, okay. I was totally stoked because, yes, I'm with a bigger brokerage house, but I have been using Robinhood since March. And it's nice because... You can load 50 to to $100 in there, and you can park it on a stock. I obviously can't mention any specific stocks here, but you can buy and sell different stocks. And if you follow stocks and you follow the fluctuations of those stocks, it's an easy way to go ahead and make some extra money based on your knowledge of that particular business. So right now, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Just go over and sign up at shake.robinhood.com. That's shake. That Robinhood.com. And the way that works, Jeff, is once you sign up, you wait a few days and you will get like a little action box thing, like a scratcher sort of. And you scratch it and it could be anything from Ford, which is about $10 a share right now, to Apple, which is $220 a share right now. Oh, okay. So it's, it's it, yeah, cool. You have to hold on to the stock for a certain amount of time, but stocks tend to hold a certain amount of value. This is something to get you going on your road to learning investment. Once again, that's shake.robinhood.com. By the way, if you want to talk to me more about Robinhood, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Investment, I know, can be a little intimidating, and I'm happy to answer whatever questions I can. So feel free to reach out and hit me up. Main event this this week, I, I'm, we're going to go into SmackDown. I, I thought this SmackDown show was a whole lot of fun. I, I did. I thought all the wrestling was pretty well done. Uh, most of the vignettes were pretty smart. Um, where to start on this? Oh, another retribution project. I thought Lana looked quite good. Not excellent. Don't get me wrong. She's not 
she's not putting on four star classics or anything like that. But I thought she looked solid with Becky Lynch in there helping her out. Interesting. Continue to make this pitch to me because I'm not sure that I agree, and I want to see if you can persuade me. Well, don't get me wrong. It was mostly it was mostly Becky. Y- yes, there, but I, yes. I, she, look, I, I'm going on the scale of did she screw anything up majorly? And no, she didn't. They had a match that was five minutes and forty four seconds. That's fine. That's all you need on SmackDown. I, I look, you gotta start somewhere, Chris. And I'm gonna go glass half full on this. I'm not. Look, I don't think Lana is is going to be an excellent in ring competitor ever. But I and but that's why I'm grading on a curve here. I'm grading on she wrestles like a valet. But she did a she did a good enough job with Becky, where it didn't look noticeable that she didn't she doesn't have a lot of skill in the ring. I I think she did perfectly acceptable, and I think this shows a lot more. I mean, it shows that Becky can carry people through these types of matches as a heel, whereas when she was a babyface. Usually heels call matches. I don't know who called matches when she was in the ring with someone of lesser note who was a heel. But I, you know, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Becky heel character. I thought the beatdown with Charlotte was quite good. Yeah, except that the fans she- still like it and they're still chanting for yes. her afterwards. All this is doing is sort of establishing her more as this ass kicker. And she went in and kicked Lana's ass. And that's what she should have done. And that's what she did. Yes. The fans have gone all in on fighting the WWE on you're going to make her a heel. Right. They, they have. Because she's just too likable. And they they know that she's far too talented. Yeah. No, I, I don't think they're ever going to buy into this. And all you're doing is sacrificing Charlotte at the altar of all of this. But I also kind of liked, I mean, and, and this continues the Becky thing. I liked that the way they introduced Becky into the whole scenario, which was the aftermath of the Aiden English promo backstage where Rusev and uh, Lana are talking a bit. It was kind of like everything kind of... Uh, I mean, Becky Was sort of inserted herself as this Shayna Baszler character, like, this is my division. It was a little bit slacker-ish, if, if you know that that kind of... It's an improv form, but it's also, a, you know, the the Link Ladder movie, where one character, you know, is walking down the street, takes a turn, and then we start following this other character who's been going there. I kind of... Okay, I kinda okay, sure, kind of sure. Kind of, kind of mixed into each other there where it's like, okay, here's this pro here's this. I mean, it's, it's actually a world as opposed to vignette one, vignette two, vignette three. I thought that was very clever. And speaking of that, Aiden, or speaking of the Lana Russo thing, I thought Aiden English's promo was outstanding. Yes. Aiden English's promo was outstanding. Although I'm confused with the storyline because I, I think that Lana's going to betray Rusev and I find that very confusing. Oh, I I'm not uh, I'm not certain of that just yet. But I I thought it was. Um, I thought, oh, you don't think that she's being performative with the Milwaukee thing? Because I totally think she is. Oh, I I just think either Aiden's lying or he's referring to the Rock promo about was it the Milwaukee wheelbarrow or something of that effect. I I I just viewed it. Uh, the reason I liked the promo so much is it wasn't scene chewing. It wasn't. I'm the bad guy. He seemed very earnest in his hurt about, look, we were teamed up and we had a really good thing going here. Yes, yes. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, 
you know, it, it wasn't like the visceral hatred that people had towards Yoko Ono for breaking up the Beatles, per se. But we still established that he's unlikable because he's not going to show us the video until next week. Well, yeah, but we also established he was unlikable because, look, no man is ever going to pick his best friend over his wife. I don't think. Right, right. <laughs> well, well, some some might. <laughs> if you have an unhappy marriage, you might pick your best friend over your wife. But, I mean, in terms of, you know, in terms of... Uh, you know who your where your loyalties lie. It's it's not gonna be, you know, you're not gonna say, look, uh, you're my you're my boy, but this is the woman I've dedicated my life to. So it so you know step off on this one. There, yeah, there's, there's, there's never the delusion be... that Aiden thought that we could do this without Lana. I'm, I mean, it is weird to bring your wife into the business with, that you have with a business partner. Like, there's a couple of ways of looking at this, right? Like, there's the way that Aiden is driving a wedge into Rusev and Lana's marriage, and in which case, then Rusev looks like the aggrieved party. But from Aiden's standpoint, you could also look at this like Aiden and Rusev had a business, and then all of a sudden, Rusev was like, hey, I'm married, so I want to bring my wife as a partner in the business. And from that standpoint, all of a sudden, Aiden seems to have a credible case of, no, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, no, but I, but I liked that he wasn't over the top in his villainy right. or his hurt. It wasn't played. You know how they, they usually will play, as I like to say, they play for the back of the room in terms of their reactions. And it was so low key and it's so unlike them, but it made it so cool as well. It's like. Yeah, he has sympathies, but he's deluded, but he's not over the top in his delusions. Right, right. It's just, it's just, hey, we had a great team, and we had finally found our niche, and you know, we were really on the up, and then you decide to just bring your wife into this, and it's like, you're wrong, but at the same time, I can't be mad at you for being wrong. Right, no, he's actually got like half a leg to stand on, and I think that's important for heels. They had to have a point that is usually counterweighted by a stronger point in the opposite direction. But good heel work works when they have, like, half a point. So, Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura, are we actually building to them having some sort of quiet alliance, or is Randy really just into killing people's gimmicks now? I, you know, it's weird. I have a love-hate relationship with Randy Orton because I'm... I'm not the biggest Randy Orton fan, but I absolutely loved the promo backstage where he just says that Perfect 10 stuff is stupid. I laughed at that. Just the, the just the deadpan. It's true, but then that's also sort of fourth wall shattering in a way that I don't think is constructive. No, but it's consistent with his character. He's he, you know, he, he, they've kind of turned him into the anti-hero every man type here in some ways, even though he's still a heel. But, I mean, he's a heel with, you know, he's that Bad News Brown circa circa WrestleMania 4 heel who hates even the heels. He's a heel that other heels hate. So I think they're eventually getting to a Nakamura-Orton standoff. And what, what Orton's doing here is he's just going to keep on attacking guys that Shinsuke feuds with or or has matches with until he finally decides, look, you haven't gotten the point here. I'm coming after you. I just need to get these guys out of the way. 
or something to that effect. I thought Ty Dillinger was quite good this week as well. Yet another mid-carder, born-again hardcore, at least for a week. Got some nice offense in. Was a little bit vicious in it. I thought Nakamura sold quite well for him, and I loved I loved the post-match beatdown by Nakamura. It was vicious as opposed to clownish, and that's what I want my Nakamura to be. Yeah, no, I like this heel Nakamura. He's on, It's weird because I thought that he would really connect as a baby face, but they just... It never really quite clicked, and this heel iteration of him is a lot closer to the Nakamura I was kind of hoping we would get. So, this is working. And then, finally, we get to the Joe promo. Too far? In a way, because we can't possibly wait a week to know what happened. No, you would imagine that on WWE.com or something, you would put up a promo. I almost think you can get away with doing that entirely from a narrative standpoint, if immediately after the show goes off the air, you go, go to WWE.com to see what happens next, and the, that's the leadoff. The problem is, the line is, when you get to something that would require police involvement, does it take you out of the moment? It's so weird when AJ's like standing by Paige. He's like, Paige, oh my God, he's at my house. You're my boss. Can't you do anything about this? And she could. She could say, look, if you do anything, you don't get this title match, Samoa Right, Joe. right, exactly. Um, I, you know, for me, I, 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 I thought AJ was quite bad in the segment, to be honest with you. No, that's my house. Stop, you know, kind of thing. I, I, I kind of wanted, it's, it's funny. I, I want, for me, I want just done a little bit more subtle. I think I think I want AJ. Is that my house you're at right now? <laughs> you know, kind of thing, or I want Joe to pull an Ozzy Mendez from Watchmen and go, look, look, uh, AJ. I'm not going to break into your house or anything. I did that five minutes ago. <laughs> you, know, he's, you know, just have the family with AJ and have have Joe cutting some sort of dark promo, and the lights come on in the background. It's like, is that my house? And it's like he's just trashed the house, and then you have the family crying and stuff. That I can deal with him threatening a wife and a child. I, you know, that that it it's yeah. Like like I compared it to, it's the Max Katie thing where you're you're towing the line of illegality when you finally do something illegal. Well, Joe is technically trespassing at that point. Once you're standing at the threshold of the Styles property, the door, you've crossed the curtilage. You're now into his property. You're trespassing. Yeah, I would have, you know, it'd be better if, like, Joe had bought the property next door and would just, like, just harass AJ and his wife and his child without actually, you know, really hurting. You know, oh, hi, Wendy. Going out for some milk? Would you like some help with the groceries today? You know, just being, you know, over-the-top earnest, maybe? I don't know. I That's, you know, as opposed to menacing, because I think it's far more menacing when you're being over-the-top friendly and you don't really mean it than you're actually going to be, you know, sneering and stuff. But, I, you know, I like the idea. I like the creativity. I like that Joe was, you know, on location, so to speak. Um and apparently without a camera crew, I thought that was, was that a selfie stick he was filming or did he actually have a camera I crew? I think he was doing it with a selfie stick. I like that part of it. I, I just don't like this I'm stalking your wife angle and, and I can't really get into it. I don't really see how AJ Styles ever gets appropriate comeuppance off of this. Yeah, it's almost like they need to turn the family heel. 
Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> AJ's kid low blows him and costs him his title because oh. his favorite wrestler is Samoa Joe. He tears off the AJ Styles shirt and reveals a Samoa Joe Samoan submission machine shirt and then puts the coquina clutch on his dad. And his dad has to tap out daddy, to his son. Daddy, 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 you were going to hurt Uncle Joe, so I had to stop you. You're not thinking straight, daddy. Oh, but, but every time they have heel children it doesn't i mean i remember was it, they did this in ecw with uh sandman's kid they did this a little bit with uh, uh the, you remember the daniel bryan bray wyatt feud where they had like uh it was it was actually jameson's kid jameson's kid came out in like a choir robe and was singing you know they you can't i think i'm trying to remember a time when when there was actually a kid that turned out to be a heel where it was like you know, some bad seed type thing that actually turned out well for them. But it's just weird using, you know, using children as props, so to speak, as well. Because, re- like, these guys aren't the actors or It's weird using really... non-wrestler wives as props, too. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I, I, I'm uh... This plot has just sort of dead-ended, is my problem. It does make me uncomfortable, but the reason we're in this uncomfortable zone is because you've crossed this line where you can go no further because in the real world, somebody goes to jail. Yeah. I, I, and I, do, let me ask you this. Do you think the title being involved in this feud hampers the feud? Yes. Yes. Because it stopped being about the title, so it sort of de-elevated the title a little bit. Yeah, if it was like uh, if it was like he was jealous of the family because they got a bigger house because of the title. He's jealous of everything that AJ has. I, I guess maybe in this universe we could have Joe having no family. We could say that Joe is this single guy, or you could even have Joe be the divorcee, and he is jealous of AJ having a family and a wife and kids. But you associate that with the title, you know? If if you're gonna keep the title involved in this, it's like, oh, you know what, my. You know, my wrestling life broke up my marriage, but you, you winning a title and getting more You were money. always able to buy that new house, AJ. Anytime Wendy needed something, yeah. you always had the title. So you always had that extra yeah. money, and you were always able to get something, but I wasn't. And, and, like, yeah, he could almost blame not having the title on the failure of his marriage, which would be a total heel sort of thing to do. But still, overall, fun show, I thought, on SmackDown's part, where whereas... Uh, you know, and I thought Raw at least had a nice noble effort in terms of having a through line throughout the three hours. Problem is now you look at the ratings and you go, I mean, what what do you blame that on? Do you blame that on, you know, the premieres of Dancing with the Stars and The Voice and, and a good matchup on NFL Monday Night Football? Or do you view it as malaise with the product? Or malaise with the WWE? Or is it just women taking control of the television sets for men? I mean, I don't... It's hard to explain how you have the lowest rating in the history of Raw. That's my problem. I, I, can't, I can't explain any of this. Do you, do you have any ideas? I mean, I think it's brand fatigue. I think it's fatigue with what the three-hour product is on Raw. And I'm with you that this particular episode... Ever since I've been on Shake Them Ropes and have had to start watching Raw regularly, this episode of Raw was a better episode of Raw, bell to bell, than previous episodes of Raw. But some of those episodes of Raw were fucking slogs, dude. And and it was tiresome. And 
it certainly wouldn't be something that you would watch live. So it's not surprising to me that their live ratings are going down because, I mean, if Raw is on a certain quality threshold, you're just simply not going to allocate three and a half hours for it every week. Conversely, 205 Live on the WWE Network, that 919 show that aired last week, that was number four in the top ten most watched shows of the past week on the WWE Network. So you've got Raw going one direction, and 205 Live, which is long suffered, is actually moving in a better direction now that it's on Wednesday night impaired with NXT. What a shocker. I think it's nice that they've kind of packaged all the hardcore audience watching into one night as opposed to needing to spread it out over there in terms of, you know, the people who really want to watch the network content, which is me because I enjoy it a little bit more than the main roster. Um, I I think those two shows go hand in hand. Um, And it's nice because I remember hearing like watch numbers before where they'd be like number eight in the top ten. And they'd be losing to, like, Raw Rewinds and things like right. that. Right, now they're beating the NXT Chicago pre-show, which is what they should be doing on a regular basis. Well, the NXT, well, the thing about the NXT pre-show, Chicago, is it's the, it's the show that automatically plays after NXT if you watch it. It'll just automatically autoplay, so that's why it gets the most, no, that, that many, that many uh, week-to-week uh, watches. On the thing is, it just it's it's autoplay on the network, which is which is hilarious. It's like why does so, why are so many people interested in this NXT pre-show for some reason? And no, it's just autoplay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I I think that that's good. Hopefully, this will inspire Two Hundred Five Live to reorient now and adapt the show a little bit more to the concept of being themed with Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know what you do about Raw. I mean, obviously, scaling down Raw lengthwise is a non-option. This week's episode was better formatted, but now you're into football season. So even if you're going to try to turn the corner, it's a really horrible time of year to be doing that. And Vince is probably just tickled pink that he was able to get that contract inked earlier in the year. And his stock price is nice and high right now. So next week on Raw, I think we're getting a return of John Cena. Yeah, I think so. It's so interesting that they've been so low key about John Cena's involvement on this, on this, uh, what are they calling the Super Showdown? That that's the name of it. Super Super Show hyphen down. Okay, Super Show hyphen. That's what we should call it. Wait, hold on. Need to reset. Seven second dance break. Super show, wait, super on, show hyphen down. Okay, there we go. Super show hyphen down. I don't know who thought show hyphen down was a thing that you could get over, but that's not going to happen. So I figured he'll make an appearance to uh, to hype it and uh, to hyphen it. Yes, to hyphen it too. And next week we'll have our rundown of what we think is going to happen on the show. Hyphen down. Run down the entire card. We'll have a run hyphen down. We'll have a run hyphen down. We'll have a dance hyphen down dash hyphen break. Um, Chris, tell the people where they can uh, read, hear, see, say, talk to you, what have you. There are many outlets. At C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O is where I'm at on Twitter. I talk news and politics, and you can hear me talk about news and politics 
on Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at don'tworry.tv and at Patreon at patreon.com slash DWATG. My other show is the All in the Family podcast. Really fun episode that's going to be coming out this week, Jeff. You're going to like this one a lot. Archie and the FBI. Very topical. Very topical. And you can check that out at allinthefamilypodcast.com and patreon.com slash allinthefamily. And you, of course, can hear me on Lucha of the Hidden Temple, which is right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at CrapGame13. I'm going to be over at Fightful on Sunday evening talking uh, New Japan, uh, the New Japan special from Long Beach. I'm not going to be there live, but I'll be doing the uh, post show with uh, Sean Ross Sapp. Follow me at CrapGame13. Make sure you hit our sponsors. Once again, 4 I believe it's STRSkin is the code there. And also uh, Robinhood, shake.robinhood.com. We appreciate all of our sponsors. We hope you will too. We'll see you again next week on Shake Them Ropes. And now, Chris, for your fantasy basketball breakdown. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.